Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, welcome back, old time crime gals. I'm Melissa. And I'm Shannon. We're here this week to talk about some more murders, some old murders. We're back on brand. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I like old. We, little bit of some technical difficulties. We're down to one computer. Um, we're in a different area today. Um, please bear with us. Thanks for listening. It just didn't want to work this morning, but um, we're here. And I'm technologically impaired, so <laughs> I can't help much. <laughs> it's just spinning. I don't know what my computer is doing. Yes. Um, but, so today we're going to talk about the Isle of Shoals, which is off the New England coast. Oh, And in the 1870s, there was just an axe murder. It sounds like mysterious and cold and... I don't know. But beautiful. <laughs> well, yes, it does sound beautiful. <laughs> but when you read through the story, yeah. it just kind of gives this ominous feeling. But it is it is beautiful. So about seven miles off the coast of New England lies a beautiful string of islands that stretch across the borders of both Maine and New Hampshire. They're kind of split between the middle. And today, the islands are home to private estates, resorts, and like a marine research facility. So, in other words, people who have money? Yeah. Okay. But, um, you know, back back in the 1870s, it was more like fishing villages. And, and the particular island that we're talking about um, is in 1873 is Smutty Nose Island. Smutty Nose. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting. And there's only one family that lives on Smutty Nose. One family, Smutty Nose Island. Now, occasionally you'll have different fishermen come through and, and maybe some visitors, but no one lives there permanently. Okay. Except for this family. You probably didn't find out how it got its name, did you? I, I don't have it, but I know it. Oh, you know <laughs> it. Oh, I like um, that. I think a fisherman was traveling someone was traveling by and there was a bunch of seaweed gathered around the edge of the island because it's really small and it looked like the nose of like the sea creatures like the oh. Loch Ness monsters or something like that because it's kind of like a nose okay. shape <laughs> very cool I think that sounds neat I was my husband and I were driving yesterday down um, out in the country and there was a road we have never seen before called soup hair s-o-u-p <laughs> and then h-a-i-r which doesn't really make you want to eat soup <laughs> if you live on that road or if you're driving by so smutty nose that sounds yep. very interesting smutty nose and it's the third largest collection of islands so it's actually only 25 acres okay. and mostly rocks really rocky coast small island and so john and Marin Huntbet they called Smutty Nose Island home. So they're Norwegian immigrants who came to the area in 1868. John owned a fishing schooner, a boat that he called the Clarabella. So every morning he would go out and, you know, check his lines and pull up what he caught for the day. Then he would sail to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to the fish market, sell what he had caught, and then turn around and buy more bait for the next day and okay. sail home. Let's go back out. So he did that. That was his business. And he was a good fisherman, so he earned respect in the community, and his business was always good. It was growing. And prospered. And so the business yep, was doing well. They were able to live comfortably on the island. But you have his wife, Marin, 
and she's you know this wonderful housewife brightens up their little red cottage and you know with paint and flowers but john's away fishing hard at work all day and she's just sitting at home with just the company of her dog oh which was me yesterday (laughs) (laughs) a dog is good company but back then they didn't have all the you couldn't get on the computer and check out Facebook That's and see right. what was going on. So she, she might have. Did you do that yesterday? No. Oh okay. no. Well, so it was just you and your dog. It was me, my dog, and my cat, and chilling at home. But you know, she he was off providing, and she was at home, and she was lonely, and she missed her family. And so they were there for two full years before they met anyone that was on the island regularly. Wonder why she didn't go with him fishing. I know it wasn't a woman's work. I wouldn't. I'd rather you be wouldn't. at home with my dog. Well, because I'm thinking if they're newlywed, possibly fairly newlywed. I don't know, but we don't know. But if they, I would. I'd be home go like, go him. fishing. I'll see you when you get back. I'm going to be here with my dog. Uh, Her dog, uh, Rinya. Rinya. Um, but so John ends up meeting this other fisherman named Lewis Wagner. He just seemed to be down on his luck. He was struggling to make ends meet. He was fishing from Star, Malaga, and Cedar Islands. There are three more islands in that little little stretch. But he didn't have much luck. He wasn't okay. catching the big fish. And, you know, the, the quantity wasn't there. And um, those islands are connected to Smutty Nose through breakwaters and seawalls. So you can kind of actually, if the tide is low enough, run across to another island. Oh. They're, like, really close together, and they're small. So the islands aren't very wide. And it would only be a matter of time before, you know, they ran into each other trying to fish and do this business. So they quickly became friends. So in May of 1871, Maren, she seizes an opportunity. Her sister, Karen um, Christensen, had went through a breakup with her boyfriend in Norway. And she was really sad. And Maren convinced her that, you know, she could have a new life and start over. Hey, come live with me. Be my friend. (laughs) And two, I wonder how long the letters took to get back and forth. <laughs> so, so this we're talking like, oh, I had an idea, and I called my sister or I FaceTimed her. But in in reality, it was in the 1800s, so she had to send a letter. I'm sure. Yeah. So this is probably a few months process or longer. I don't know, but anyway. But John had paid, she paid for her to come over. So now her sister Karen arrived. And Maren was so happy to have, you know, her sister with her and just someone to talk to. Yeah. Adult interaction other than the dog. Right, right. That's awesome. So after visiting for a while, Karen got a job on Appledore Island as a maid. And that is the biggest island. Um, It's 95 acres. So still not very big at all. Um, But they had a Appledore Inn hotel there. And it was the only hotel in the area. Wonder why Marin didn't try to get a job on Apple Door. Maybe she likes painting in her little red cottage and but watching her so, dog run across the But beach she was so feels, lonely. She could have worked a couple of days a week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I like asking those questions. <laughs> Marin's Sorry. not here to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. I was trying to think. I always like to help people. So I was just trying yeah. to think of ways that she could have not been as lonely. <laughs> But John's fishing business continued to grow, and he was finding it hard to maintain solo, and he was going to need some help. So he hired Lewis in June of 1872 to work on the Clarabella and even gave him a room in his house oh, to wow. kind of like not pay him, kind of like part of his payment, yeah. like we'll give you room and board and come help me out on the boat. And he was a 
Persian immigrant and kind of like lurky and like creepy vibe. Oh, okay. But they all became friends. So okay. he lived at their house and, you know, worked on the Clarabella. And I guess he was a good fisherman. So now he, Lewis, was living on Smolino's Island with the Hunt Vets. So everyone's getting along and they're working together. But in October of that year, things were about to change. See, John's brother from Norway, Matthew, arrived into town along with Ivan Christensen, which is Marin's brother, and his new bride, Anna Tay. Anna Tay. I love that name. That is beautiful. I like that. So now... And it's not spelled anywhere close. No. <laughs> I sounds. had to look up how to pronounce the name, but I really like Anna Tay. Um, so the house that just held John and Marin also was home to Karen, Matthew, Lewis, Ivan, and Anna Tay. So wow. now she went from having nobody... To having a house full of people. Yeah. And so Marin, she should have not felt lonely or lacking for any adult interaction anymore. No. She has people around. So then Lewis, you know, he hangs around for about a month. But it's obvious that John has all the help he needs with Matthew and Ivan. And it just, he just parts ways. He, and he gets to him and it's like, they're, they're family. Yeah. They're, they're, they're close-knit. He's kind of feeling like maybe I shouldn't be here. So he kind of feeling out of place. Yeah. And um, he probably felt pushed aside, you know. And so he, you know, John and the boys would fish during the day. Anna Tay would help Marion tend, cook, and gather food for the larger group in the evening. So Lewis ends up leaving Smutty Nose in October. Had he gotten on his feet some, though? Had he been able to kind of get going? Well, he gets another job okay. on another fishing boat called the Addison Gilbert. Okay. So... The haunt vets were like, hey, he's leaving on to get another job. Things are good. There's no hard feelings. He's moving on. We've helped him out. Right. We're good people. Okay. And so, no hard feelings. So, happy days in the red cottage. Yeah, they're you just just chilling. Have family time. The women can talk. Yep. They continue to enjoy family time and working the business together. And little did they know that Lewis would again fall on hard times and come looking for the hot vets to save him. But he left with ill feelings of resentment from the family. He wasn't quite as happy. Okay, so he came back thought. and wanted help. Well, foreshadowing a little bit here. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, but by we'll March, get to that. <laughs> by March of 1873, he was desperate and broke. He was late on rent. His clothes were tattered, like his shoes were falling apart. He just was broke. Exactly. And he needed to make money, and he needed to make it fast. Hmm. Usually when people need to make money and they need to make it fast. It's, it's never good. It's not, yeah, it's not always a good thing. So, well, it was, yeah, let's <laughs> see what he chose to do. So the morning of I don't March, know, did they have cardboard huh? back cardboard? then? Hey, I don't know. <laughs> He's standing on the, the cash at me. Yeah, I'm homeless. I need help. Yes. No, I don't. I no don't cardboard. Know. Okay. I know he was traveling the wharves at Fort Smith, the, the main port, and probably trying to do odd jobs or whatever right. he could, but it just wasn't, you know, making Enough. ends meet and really, really down on his luck. So the morning of March fifth, eighteen seventy three, started out just. Another beautiful day in Smutty Nose. Spring was in the air. The weather was perfect. Marin, Karen, and Anna Tay, they were probably leisuring around the house. Renier was frolicking in the grass, having run on the land, probably chasing some birds. It's Classical just, music yeah, playing in the background. Sure, painting in the corner. Um, so John, Ivan, and Matthew left early to go check their lines and observe their catches of the day. 
So they were making their way to market to sell their catch, and they ran across another fisherman. Now, the wind picked up, and it was going to be smooth sailing to the mainland, and so they decided they would just go straight to Portsmouth and sell their catch instead of turning around and bringing one of the men home like they normally did. Okay. I guess that was their habit to have the, one of the guys stay behind, help things out of the house, make sure everything was good, and then catch up with them later. Okay. And so they decided that they would not do that. And so they told their fishermen, hey, can you swing by Smutty Nose and let, let the women know that we're just going to be home later tonight? And so he was like, sure, I'll pass the message along. And so the women didn't receive the message until they had already prepared a large dinner in the afternoon because, you know, it takes time. And a, yes. And so <laughs> then they decided to keep it warm until they arrived later that evening, which was nice. I would pack it away and put it in the, the yes, ice box or whatever. That was and go very nice. <laughs> I'm going back to the swinging by the island and telling the ladies that the men yeah, are okay the and they're not around. coming home. Like, do they have... I hope they trusted Hello, that fisherman. out there. Can you hear me? Your husband will not be home tonight. Tomorrow. I don't know. Not be home just, this afternoon, later tonight. Yes. <laughs> so, but I'm just picturing these islands and just, I don't know, I'm trying to get that scenario and scene in my head. So, anyway, you may <laughs> go ahead. Uh, Where was that? Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my place. So they had put the, um, they were warming the food. Yeah, they were going to keep the food warm till the boys got home. Very nice. And so Clarabella, the boat arrived in Portsmouth, and Lewis just happened to be there. Oh. And he helped them tie the boat up. And it was obvious he had fallen on hard times. You could obviously look at him and tell some, you know, things were not great. And so he asked John what, if he plans to return to Smutty Nose that evening. And it's an odd question to ask because huh. he knew his routines. He lived with him. Right. It's just weird to say, hey, you're going back home tonight? Yeah. And he, you know, he thought it was odd, but he answered truthfully. He told him that, you know, the bait arrived from the train from Boston on schedule. He would because then he would buy the bait and he would go back home. But if for some reason the train was delayed, he would bait the lines here overnight and just stay in port and return home in the morning. And so he asked Lewis if he would bait the lines if that happened, which is a job that would take pretty much all night. And Lewis happily agreed and then left. But mm. wouldn't you know it, the train was late. Oh, wow. So perhaps he already knew the train was going to be late and asked him what he was planning to do. Okay. That's, yeah. One theory. Way to look at it. So the bait would not arrive on time, and Lewis had no intention of helping John at all. Oh. He was going to steal his business out from underneath of him. He had some ulterior motives. Hmm. As always. Yes. <laughs> okay, so now it's 7.30 at night. So that's the last time Lewis was seen in the area. He quietly stole a dory. And he slowly rows past the brick buildings and the busy port town and enters the harbor and goes out to sea. So now he has to row. This is a three-hour trip one way, almost 10 to 12 miles through ocean waves in the cold, in the dark, to get to Smutty Nose Island. Oh, my goodness. A lot of hard work. So it was not impossible for someone who had done it before, done it multiple times, and was a skilled oarsman. But that's not an easy feat. I imagine the desperation and the motivation to get out of his situation right, gave yeah. him the strength that he needed to travel 
make that trek. People do crazy things like that when they're mm -hmm. desperate. So he makes it to Muddy Nose. And instead of docking the boat where the Clarabella normally comes in, that's closest to the residence, he travels to the other side of the island and ties the dory up. And then he makes his way in the snow to the only occupied house on the island, which is the Hombets. So there he watches as the women all alone, they finally, you know, give up on the men coming back and they decide it's time to go to bed. So he starts seeing the, the lights go off or the candles, candles being, <laughs> you know, blown out and the house becomes quiet. You know, so they changed. They decided it was time for bed. It's a cold night in their two-story cottage. So Marin makes Karen a makeshift bed in the kitchen okay. by the fire, by the wood-burning stove um, to stay warm. Okay. And then Marin and Anate stay together in the bedroom downstairs. So there's nobody on the Oops. second floor. Okay. So after the glow went away and the house was left in the dark, Lewis, you know, he watched to make sure that they were sleeping. His plan was to sneak into the house, knowing it well since he used to live yeah. there. Um, he knew John kept cash around, and he knew how profitable his business was. So he was going to go in, get money, and get out. So it was just like a burglary in his mind. But what he didn't count on was everybody being downstairs. He figured they were probably in their bedrooms. He would figured they were upstairs sleeping. So the hinge of the door creaked, and he gained entry into the kitchen. So he took a piece of wood and jammed it into the door frame of the bedroom in case they tried to get out downstairs. So he knew there was a bedroom downstairs. Okay. So he, he kind of made it so they couldn't open that door. Okay. But when he did that, Renye started barking the dog. He, mm -hmm. And so Karen wakes up. Because obviously she's, she's in the kitchen. She's by the fire. The dog barks. So she wakes up. And everything's probably just really silent and quiet. And mm hmm Doubt they have like the southern crickets like we have chirping yeah. and every. I guess they can have wind. wind, but you know. But so the dog barks and wakes Karen up. So she sits up. She's awakened by the dog. She's half asleep. She sees a figure by the window, you know, the silhouette by a window, and she just assumes that the boys are home. So she calls out, you know, like, John, hey, is that you? Because obviously it was a man. Mm -hmm. And so she thinks it's her brother in law. And then Marin wakes up and she's calling out, you know, hey, Karen, what's wrong? So now you've got all these people waking up downstairs. And she's like, John scared me. Like, she still thinks it's John. So she's calling out, John scared me. You know, they're home. And Marin's like, Karen, what's going on? So a little bit of confusion probably happens really fast. Lewis panics and reaches down and grabs the first thing he can get hold of, which is a kitchen chair, and just starts beating her with it. Oh, wow. Um, oh, he should have left. She didn't know who he was. <laughs> and then everything would be okay. But then he would have no money. And then we wouldn't have a story to talk about. And then he uh, would feel really like you rode all that way. He, he put in hard. all that work to get there. Oh, he was tired. So he was going to rob that place, darn it. He was swinging by <laughs> the island. So he raises his hands and begins to beat Karen with the chair. So then she starts screaming, John is killing me. John is killing me. So Marin hearing this in the, in the bedroom is like, what? That makes no sense. That's her husband. He like wouldn't he wouldn't, that. he wouldn't do anything like that. So she jumps out of bed and she's trying to open the door and she can't because that piece of wood that he put in the, the right. door jam. So she's yelling for Karen, but Karen manages. She tries to get up and the blows just keep coming, but she gets thrown into the bedroom door. And when she gets thrown into the door, it pops the piece of wood out, and the door opens, and she falls in the, the threshold at Karen, um, Marin's feet. 
And she was probably and so badly. it's still dark. No one can see anything. They still think John is the one that's attacking her. So Marin just grabs her and drags her into the room and shuts the door and then tries to barricade it. But he keeps trying to get in the door. He's banging on the door. He's just screaming, let me in. Like, Anna Tay's in the corner freaking out because this is just chaos. And there's just nothing going on. Well, and if it's pitch black, that's hard to, you know, you can't see unless there's any moonlight. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, Karen, Ooh. she's just beaten. She's, she's beaten so bad, like, she can't even stand up. She's just laying across the bed. Like, she's just That broken. must have been a really big, heavy chair. And... Things were made so much better back then. Yes. It probably was. <laughs> I was thinking about some of the chairs, thinking, wow, that must not have been flimsy at now all. Now you pick them up and swing them, the legs will break off yes. and just fall apart. Sorry, um, not, but yeah. Yeah, things aren't made chair. like they're used to. That's no. just a matter of fact. That's right. Um, so, you know, Marin, she's confused. She's John. Maybe we can get some furniture to, like, be Ooh. our advertiser. Oh, maybe. <laughs> So sturdy, it won't break when you get beat with it. Yes. Um, not a sponsor. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Marin is, she's realizing they're out of options. There's just nothing, no way out. So, there's a window. So, she just makes the decision that they need to jump out the window and run. And so, they open the window and Karen can't make it out. She's too badly beaten. So, she's like, Anate, just get out the window and go. Like, we need to run. So, Anna Tay makes her way out of the window. She's barefoot. She's in the uh. snow. She's in the nightgown. And she gets outside, and she looks up, and she's frozen. Why? She can't move. As cold as it was. I wonder why she's barefoot. Surely they crocheted and knitted. She's barefoot. Well, she went to sleep. I know, Do you sleep? I don't I always don't. sleep with socks on. But I also didn't know how. They didn't have heat. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking socks and all kinds of footwear you are the question asker today I can't help it she's barefoot in the snow it okay. makes for a good story okay. it's how it happened <laughs> okay annotate barefoot in the snow and she froze she froze but she not move. like frozen frozen but right she froze scared. because in the moonlight she can see oh, that it was moonlight lewis outside there was okay lewis <laughs> had left trying to get in the door and i came out and traveled around the side of the house and sees her getting out of the window. Oh, man. And then he decides to swoop up the axe that was next to the house that they used for chopping wood and breaking mm -hmm. ice and come at her. And because she could see his face, realizing it's no longer John, it's Lewis. She wow. just keeps screaming, it's Lewis, it's Lewis, as he swings the axe onto her skull. Oh, man, she didn't move anywhere. And Marin is outside the window watching this happen, literally almost within arm's length of Lewis. And, then, okay, I'm going to ask a question. I don't know why he just didn't go in the window. Because yeah. the open window is there, Anate got out, but instead he goes back to the house, through the kitchen with the axe, to break the door. Hmm, wonder if there was some height maybe to the window. Or maybe he he's a bigger guy. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there could be a lot. But he, so Marin watches them leave Anate there, which her skull was split open. She was killed instantly. There's just no, yeah, he probably you couldn't save her. So he goes around and comes back inside the house. And she thinks this is our only chance. I'm going to go out the window. He's trying to get in here. I'm going to go out the window. Karen, she tries to get her up. She tries to pick her up. She just, I can't. I want to lay down. She just, there's yeah. no helping her. Oh. And so she wraps a skirt around her to kind of keep herself warm because it is cold outside. Yes. She grabs her dog and she hops outside. 
And so she decides that she needs to run. And as she's getting out the window, he makes it through the door and comes at her with the axe, swinging it, and it lands on the windowsill. Wow. And the handle breaks. Oh, wow. So he can't use it. He can't use it again. Okay. So she manages to get out the window and run. And she's hearing Karen. He takes a handkerchief and wraps it around Karen's neck and strangles her. Oh, that's sad. So now she knows two of her family members are Mm. gone. And there's no one on the island but her and Lewis. And she is very, very scared. And she has her dog. And she's barefoot. Mm-hmm. Also, running through the snow. <laughs> <laughs> so, how? I, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that he couldn't have climbed up or something. I'm thinking, or he could have thought while he was climbing up, she could have. They was slamming the window down yeah. on her or something. But so, um, so there's only so a few. Yeah, so now she's barefoot yeah, running through the snow with the dog. Okay. There's only a few buildings on the island and like a warehouse or storage, and she knows that if she goes in those to hide. That's the first place he's going to look for. Yeah. Because you're going to run into a building. You're going to find shelter. Yes. So she decides that she's not going to do that. Which future safety tip. You do not run into a building that is locally around an island because you don't want to be caught by the bad guy. The most so, obvious place. Yes. Do not run to the most obvious place. So and she's, you're welcome for that free tip <laughs> from old time crime gals. Well, um, so she held Renee close to her to keep the dog quiet because if the dog starts barking or making noise, yeah. that's going to give her away. So she's trying to stay as quiet as possible. But she was right because Lewis left a bloody trail of footprints and where he searched every single building around wow. the area. And until he finally give, gave up because he knows he's running out of night. It's going to be morning. John is going to come back. He's got to row, He's, row, got, to row, row, he's got to get back. So he decides to abandon that. You know, she's out in the elements. You know, she probably won't survive anyway. I'm going to go in and get the cash and go home. I like that. Row, row, row <laughs> your boat across the breakers now. To the other island we go. Row, row, row your boat. I don't know. I just thought that was fun. <laughs> you done? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Because he had to row. He did. He had to he row had, a lot. He had to be worn out. He'd already rowed. Is it wrong? He'd already rowed, rowed. He for rowed. three hours. Murdered people. That's that's hard and work. Had to go back. So you know. So as he goes back, did he you finally, say he got money? Eventually, can oh, I? I need to ahead. get there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he he makes it back to the house, and on his way back in, he grabs Anate and drags her into the kitchen on the floor. Oh, okay. So he cared enough to at least bring her inside, I guess, and oh, yeah. left her on the kitchen floor. And nice. um, so you know, all that rowing and killing made home. him hungry. <laughs> so he decides to boil him some tea and eat some food because he had blo- bloody handprints on the the tea kettle and. Some utensils wow. and stuff he used. So he, yeah. he sits down and, and eats himself some food. And then he ransacks the place. And he ends up leaving with $15. 15 Which so, back then, yeah. I guess that was a pretty... I would say that's pretty amount. good. Yeah. Um, that's a good amount. So then he trudged through the snow and goes back to his his boat, unties it, and left Smutty Nose Island and one survivor in his wake. Mm-hmm. He got free tea. Yeah, <laughs> Free tea. Free meal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And 15 bucks. Nourishment. Um, but Marin, she had ran to the edge of the island by the dock, hoping to steal his boat and leave him on the island. Because she was going to row her way back to Portsmouth where John was. Okay. So she ran to the dock where Clarabella normally is docked, but there was no boat. Because he, because he went to the other side of the island to put the boat. 
Yes. So there was no boat for her to escape on. So she had no escape plan. So once she reached the dock, her, you know, her heart sank and it's just empty. So she's running out of places. She heads towards the coastline. There she finds a huge rock to crouch down and rest. And the noise from the crashing waves would hide any noise that the dog would make. And then her, you know, her sobs, obviously, because she had lost her sisters and, yeah. and traumatized and you're scared to death. And so it was the best possible place that she could hide given her environment. And so it was well past daylight, like 8 a.m. before she had enough courage to even move from the safety of the rock. She didn't know if Lewis would be waiting for her once she you know, made noise, but she ran across the breakwater to Malaga Island and she could see children outside playing on Appledore. Okay. That's where you're, you know, holler, holler yes. at that and get that. So she screams ah. like, hey, <laughs> help me. And, yes. and they see her. And so they send a boat over. And then once they find out what happens, he takes her and sits her with his wife. Like, you know, help her out. Yeah. She's traumatized. He gathers up some men with some guns. And then they row back to Smutty Nose to track this man down. I'm surprised her and the lady across the island didn't become friends when she was lonely. They may have, and they just didn't mention that because oh, okay. it makes for a better story. Okay. <laughs> she probably hollered out when she got bored. Yes. <laughs> what did you do today? <laughs> anyway. <sighs> uh, I can't help it, Melissa. <laughs> Full of questions. So they went to Smutty Nose to hunt Lewis down. However, the island was empty except for Anate and Karen. So, poor John, Matthew, and Ivan, you know, they're sailing along, making their way back home. They have no idea what has happened. Hmm. And so, John was in the Clarabella, and Matthew and Ivan were in a tender boat behind. So, his fishing business had grew, and so he got, like, hmm. another boat. And they're flagged by someone to come ashore, you know, like, hey, i got to tell you something. They didn't holler it out, so they oh. were like, hey, come come ashore. At least they had some tack. Yes. Um, but, you know, the tender boat. Matthew and Ivan decided to go see what they were talking about, and John was going to continue to sail the Clarabella to Smutty Nose. Okay. So he's like, I'm going to go this way. You guys see what that's about. Catch you later. Okay. And so once they came ashore and they find out what happened, they immediately jumped back in the boat and went straight to Smutty Nose because they wanted to catch up to John. They didn't want him to discover this by himself. Mm -hmm. And so they arrived at the same time he did. And so they must have been fast rowers. Yeah, because they'd already lost some time. So then they uh, they accessed the situation and they sailed the Clarabella back to Appledore, and then they reported what happened to the Portsmouth authorities. So they immediately reported what what happened, and especially because they had Marin as a, she knew who did it. They know yeah. they know what happened. And so Lewis, you know, he's not very bright. He went home to his boarding house and ate breakfast and continued his business like normal. And he bought a new suit, which he put on over top of his clothes, which doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. Yeah, that was kind of creepy. Um, and then you know, he cut his hair, got a new haircut. Maybe he then, wanted to make sure he had two outfits. I don't know. He change and but he hopped on the 9 a.m. train to Boston. So all this, and by 9 a.m., he's like on a train. <laughs> so, But then he went to some old hangouts where people knew him well. And there was already word of mouth going around really fast about what had happened. And so... You know, he was promptly arrested by seven that evening. It didn't last long. And then a mob of fishermen were waiting and they were throwing stones at him as they were escorting him to the police wow. station. So he, you know, he was put on trial and it lasted for nine days. And after 55 minutes of deliberation, he was found guilty of premeditated murder of Karen and Anate. And within a week, he already escaped prison. He got out, but um, he was put back promptly with another angry mob 
you know, wow. waiting his capture. But on June 25th, 1875, he was hanged. So he did pay for what he did. Yes. But John and Marin, they could no longer live on Smutty Nose. I, I mean, how, yeah. how could you? The only one house that's there and that happened. No. Um, so it's just too painful. So they relocated to Portsmouth and John continued to be a fisherman. Um, and earn a living and for the rest of that summer you know Ivan he had lost his wife they were they hadn't been married for a year um, he worked construction and he developed you know severe depression he was working on Appledore Island and the little red cottage was always in his view because the, the area is so small uh, that he yeah. could just always look at it and stare at it and be reminded of what happened and so he retreated into himself, and he didn't speak unless he was asked a question. Wow. He didn't make any conversation. And then at the end of the summer, he went back to Norway, and, like, no one ever heard from him again. Oh, man. But, um, so Smutty Nose Island, it's not inhabited today. So there's there's no one that lives there. You can visit, um, and you can see the foundation where the Hauntvent house stood. There's a plaque. It's marked off. Um, the coastline is absolutely beautiful, and you can visit Marin's Rock. There's a plaque where she, she hid on the rock on the shore. Um, it's privately owned and you can go during the day. Day visitors are allowed only in the summer and you can get there by rowboat. They don't do any <laughs> tours. So you have to row from, from the other ones, just like Lewis did. Um, there's pictures on our Facebook page and there are people that stay there during the season to like maintain the walking trails. They don't live there. It's only during the summer. Okay. I think it sounds like a neat place to visit if you're gonna just visit in general and then to have this story mm -hmm. unfortunately but if it happened and you can go and visit and just see what it's like so there's an article on newengland.com that was written by uh, mark bastoni and that's extremely detailed it was very helpful in our research so we just want to make sure we shout out to him and murder by gaslight.com um, has another well-written article on the axe murders of somebody knows and we do have pictures up on the facebook page and instagram where we're at and all the sources will be listed in the description of the episode. So you can catch us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcast. We thanks again for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, just remember. Do the crime and it'll catch up with you in time. And then we'll talk about it.